You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. So we wanted to have a conversation about men's mental health. So today we have, we're very lucky to have um, some of our professional colleagues with us and some of our young service users. So I think we're going to do a round of introductions. Okay, so I'm Aaron and I'm a 16-year-old service user with History with CAMS and I'm here today. (laughs) I'm Jay and I'm a 17-year-old service user of CAMS. Are we doing ages? Okay. I'm Mark. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm Mark. I'm I'm um, one of the staff that works in the current CAM service. I am in the eating disorders team and I'm soon to move over into the crisis team. I'm Robert Lindsay. Um, I'm Sport Development Officer with Bedford Borough Council and I look after the Mindful Sport Programme. And I'm Mark and I'm a school counsellor in Bedfordshire and I also work for a local um, counselling agency. And my name's Nikki Scott. I'm the service user participation lead for CAMS, and I'm definitely not sharing my age. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. that's a shame. <laughs> we have come together today because I think there was a lot of thoughts around men's mental health. I think we see it a lot in the press at the moment. Um, I certainly know that when we have conversations within our service user participation group, it comes up a lot. Um, and so we felt that they, it would be something really useful for us to get together and have a discussion with, not just with, I guess, just young people, not with just the staff here, but also I think I'd like to thank you two for, for volunteering to come today and kind of share share your thoughts and views on it. Um, because, um, you know, men's mental health is, is uh, an important topic everywhere um, and it's not just within mental health services. Um, so um, what I did was I had a little look around the internet because I thought... Um, I thought, generally speaking, I think we have conversations about men's mental health and the fact that there are issues around stigma, that men find it difficult um, to come forward and use mental health services. And I thought it'd be useful to take a look at some stats. And what I did was I went on to the um, Movember, that's Movember with an M, um, and I took a look at some of their stats there. And and one of their uh, research projects said that 70% of men say that their friends can rely on them for support but only 48% of those same men say that they would rely on their friends. In other words, we're there for our mates, but we're worried about asking for help for ourselves. So what do we what do we think about that? Has anybody got any thoughts? I think that sink, you know, sort of happens due to the way men are brought up and we're told that uh, we should help others, but we should be mm. strong ourselves. And mm. the whole like basis of masculinity is that men are supposed to be strong and men don't face issues. And to show it, you're ill, both physically or mentally, is a sign of weakness. And that's something we should really try and get rid of that stigma so people feel free to openly talk about their mental health. But where, do, where, does, that, where does that come from? It, I was going to say that uh, sometimes it comes from where you're from. So I'm from the northeast of England mm. and since living in um, the southeast of England for, for many years, I can compare the two. So if you're from the northeast of England, you're supposed to be like proper masculine and manly and don't cry what mm. you're crying for. Mm. That mm. was something that I used to get quite a lot. So where you're from, I think, is 
one reason mm-hmm. and I think that that comes across a lot of things I'm a, I'm a Sunderland fan so I, um, well, somebody's got um, to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sensing it might be a Newcastle fan but, um, so this but, is what happens when you get a group well, men around the table it always goes to competitive football that? well no but I actually don't support football and again that's something men should do mm, when yeah. you say you don't support football uh-huh. or you must be this or you must be that yeah and that that was what was going to be my point exactly actually in terms of the the football club and you know in sport I think you know I'm, I'm very interested in sport and played lots of different sports but um, it's a masculine thing so you know saying to somebody you're anxious about the game or or you've upset because you've had an argument with your partner whoever it may be then that's something that people will find well, I'm not going to talk to you about that and where's the right forum and it's a real masculine like Aaron said it's a thing that's always been there you've got to be tough you know all these sports are tough um, and actually it's it's okay you know it's okay to be upset and you've got to be there for your friends and, and for your teammates and at the, the first season and this season at football training someone said uh, you know if you're, if you're upset you're having an argument with your wife you know come and talk to me the manager and I thought that was really nice it's actually you know awareness of the players and, and your teammates you know Really yeah, important. I think that's something we should definitely encourage is within places where men tend to be, so like sporting like venues or sporting clubs, we should encourage men to talk about their feelings within them places and it can sort of create bonds between people which can create a feeling of comfort and they're willing to talk to each other about their problems. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's great that we're now seeing more really public figures, more leading sportsmen, more famous people across the board that are opening up about their mental health. They think it's fantastic because it's normalising it, isn't it? It's saying it's okay to talk. It's okay to admit that you're not this invincible person that, you know, is there for everyone and mm. never has a problem yourself. And I think, and I think, yeah. you know, I, I can particularly relate to when I got married and I had kids that there was a, re- I felt a real push then that you know because I was working in mental health at the time I had two very small kids um, my wife uh, decided that she was going to stay at, be a stay-at-home mum for that and and that that put the financial burden on me but I was also working in secure services in mental health as well which is a highly highly pressured job so I was having that pressure at work I was coming home and and it was at a time where everybody was saying to me oh you must be so happy now you've got these two lovely kids you've got a wife you got... and so it there was a real contrast there for me between what people were were seeing as being the ideal ideal life and what I I felt I was experiencing and it was a, it was a real weird mix because I'd also I got that bit that there was this and people were really telling me and it was very very clear there was this expectation that I'm now this really real proud dad and and I was but because of the work that I was doing and the hours that I was working and then kind of coming home and then having to be the the ideal supportive dad it took its toll mm. um, and and it was where did I go with that then because you know kind of I can't say to people I'm struggling because then it would be well actually how can you struggle one because you're a mental health nurse you should know how to deal with this and then there was the other side of things which was that perpetual you should be so happy because of what's happening with your family and it was a real real difficult juggle to make I felt. and you're a man so men should just get on with it yeah yeah you should be the breadwinner you should yeah. be the strength you should be there for your wife your wife is the one that's having a tough time yeah. and it was mm. and it was really interesting to to watch the way that that was that was kind of being projected to me and i think i had that from family too because i think generationally through my family it was men are the strong ones men go out and do the jobs and and and, and it was a real well for for one it was very interesting when i became a nurse <laughs> <laughs> because because you know nursing was seen to be traditionally female as well um, right. and so there were, there were all these layers of different things that were happening that built up to be something quite powerful 
So it's just as hard to talk to your family in some circumstances mm. as a man then as it is to talk to, you know, yeah. sporting people or work colleagues. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if for for people listening, really, I, it's key to, to try and say where, what you can do for help. And I think from, from my advice is finding the right forum or the right person that you do get along with. And it's not always your family. It's not always your friends and the people that traditionally someone says you can rely on them because sometimes it's, it's awkward or, you know, it, it's it, you don't want to worry them. Mm. And actually, you know, I've found in, in the short time, the last four years doing the work with, with Mindful Sport, actually it's really nice to talk to colleagues or to people that are, are service users or just someone you're engaging with a session in the daytime and actually you don't know them. And they end up saying, well, yeah, I've had a really similar experience. And, you know, it's mm. that's really useful. And I think you know, my family are from the northeast, and um, we, we we lost a, a family friend really close six years ago. And it was a man, and he didn't have anyone to talk to. And mm. I think in his work, it's quite an isolating workplace. And actually, you know, not having anyone else, because you don't necessarily want to tell your wife or your kids. You think, who who is there left? And actually, mm. that's where... <laughs> It's really nice that at CAMS here that there are other things that are go on. I was listening to the the art podcast, or whether it's you know it's the coffee groups. I know in Bedford there's a there's a bipolar meetup group, and they can meet in a coffee shop and just having those kind of things where you know you're not going to know anybody, and they're not going to judge you on who you are, what you do, what your background is, mm-hmm. who your family is, where you're from. Actually, you just talk for twenty minutes about having a really bad day, and I think that's really good to find. So. It's also creating connections for those people then to talk to the people they meet outside of them sessions and to find people that they feel safe talking to. Yeah, absolutely. So who who do you talk to? Who who is the best person for the people here to talk to? Do you know? Do you Let's go have around. you found have you found <laughs> the right person to talk to yet? Is it always the person that it should be? I think I've been quite poor um, dealing with my mental health and I've really struggled to actually talk to anyone. And it's only really when I've been, not well, forced to sounds like the wrong word, but when I've been made to talk to someone through cams or through school, that is the only time I ever really talk to anyone. I mean, sometimes, because I do um, Explorer Scouting UK and every so often something comes up there where I talk to people, but with a few rare exceptions such as that, there are a few times where I volunte- voluntary, voluntarily talk about how I feel and I just think uh, it'd be nice if I could have, back, especially back a few years ago when I was in a really bad place, if I'd found people I could talk to about my mental health, it would have made it a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, um, I feel it was a lot harder to talk about things before I accessed CAMS as a service because I wasn't used to talking about how I felt at all. But then once it kind of, I've been under cams for like five years now. So it's kind of normalized in my life to talk about how I feel, but that still presents barriers because you never know who's the right person to speak to. And I know at school, it's it's not always the dedicated person that you can talk to. I've had times in the past where I've gone and said something and I've been directed to this person who sits in a little cupboard. And it's like, they're not always, if you don't know them, then you're not necessarily going to open up so the people i've spoken to most outside of cams have been teachers that show they actually care um in a way that's beyond um a teacher student relationship Mm. i get that i get a lot of students being sent to me or mr so-and-so sent me to you he thinks that it'd be good if i have a 
a chat with you and yes it, it could be good yeah but actually then when i reinforce to them that it's up to them if they want to be here they look at me with like shock like oh another adult has said i don't have to do something especially in a school because you, you have to do lots of things in a school yeah. you get told what to do so when i'm saying to them this is your choice you're in control of this then you build up those relationships better than just thinking it's the person in that cupboard yeah, I have a big, nice room actually, yeah. <laughs> not, not just a cupboard. Not just a cupboard. Yeah, wow. but yeah, but um, to to answer the, that question, so I'm on my third counsellor in in four years. Um, interestingly, interestingly, they're all male counsellors that I've chose to have, and that's something that I always question myself: Why am I speaking to another male rather than a female? Not that I, I can't speak to females because I can and I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, having this counsellor that I have now, he knows more about me than anybody else in my life, mm. even my wife of 22 years, 28 wow. years together. So it's just that unconditional, we call it unconditional positive regard within the counselling world. And it means I can tell him anything and I don't, and I actually don't feel judged. Mm. I yeah. can pick up a judgment from people with the flicker of their eyelids or a smile mm. or their body language, but he gives me complete unconditional positive regard so I can say wherever I want with him and that to me is the most powerful thing ever so important so Very. important for it to be <clears throat> the right person isn't it and yeah and if I why I'm onto my third is the second one I didn't really he, he was all right but it became too much of a friendly relationship as right. opposed to professional and the boundaries mm. so I recognized that that wasn't what I wanted I needed this person who was going to offer what, mm. what I was asking for what I was paying for as well because I, I we have to pay for it often and I think that I found in my personal experience similar to Mark perhaps that there's sort of different types of talking to people that helped in different ways um, so you know we had a bit of a sort of trauma in my family when I was um, younger a few years ago about about six years ago now and um, uh, it was just a traumatic time but the, you know as you said earlier being a man you've got to be strong and get through all those things and then I was living in Australia on, on my own and actually went and got some support and uh, I found that the, the sessions with the, the counsellor although really good um, really tough and you almost want to get out and forget that happened as quick as possible do all your talking say all the difficult things and do your bit of crying or whatever and then get out and then that didn't happen and carry on as I was and actually that kind of it did go through those ups and downs. I think that's useful to talk through those things, but it's quite hard. And actually, like, then the rest of the time, until you see them again two weeks later or however often you're doing it, um, the balance is quite handy to chat with people in a slightly less traumatic way. So you're kind of talking about, oh, I felt quite stressed or anxious. I don't know why, or oh, that was worrying me, or, you know, there's this th these things going on that I need to think about. And actually, they're quite nice to chat about with other people. You know, you might do... As, as colleagues or somebody at a session whereas mm -hmm. actually the, the you know the tough stuff you go through with that person and I don't know if that's the right way but for me I found there was kind of sort of two different ways of talking about things um, and both were beneficial but just being able to to get to the point where it's okay to talk about that because mm. we have in this country we very much have like those special days don't mm. we where we're encouraged to open up time to talk day and emotional well-being days and all these world mental health day world which is coming up at day. the end of this month yeah yeah, yeah. good plug aaron 10th of october 10th bedford of october. square yeah. not quite the end of the yeah, month <laughs> last one. um but 
you know, which is great, but we should be able to do it every day, shouldn't we? We should mm. be able to, there's still that stigma, is there? Do, do you all feel there's still mm. a stigma? Yeah. yeah, I've always found those days quite frustrating, especially mm. growing up with social media, is on those days, everyone, you see everyone posts and shares all these things mm. like, oh, talk about things. But then if you actually go to some of these people, they don't always want to. Mm. And that's both a problem mm. because people aren't educated on these things enough, mm. but it's also just so frustrating when you see or people have, picked on you in the past for being open about things but then they share this thing about suicide prevention and it's just like you just don't understand yeah you're really conflicting and it really causes confusion and mm. more stigma in a way yeah. i think what we're very good at in this country is saving things up for like specific days but also say we've had a death or say we've, um it's somebody's memorial birthday or their yeah. the death of somebody the amount of young people I work with who, oh, well, it's my nan's memorial next week. And it's almost like they've saved all of that, all those difficult feelings up for that day when mm. actually mm. we should be dealing with that loss and that grief every day. Every day. But, yeah. but for whatever reason, their, their lack of resilience or the lack of understanding from growing up and getting support and, and where they live within Bedfordshire, because there's, there's lots of different areas where it's more affluent than others and financial 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 and environmental factors come into these things um, but if they don't have that nurture then they're more likely just to keep storing it all up and then that particular day they're having a really bad day at school and everything's down to nan died mm. and mm. It, that's a shame really because loss and grief is every day we live it mm. and breathe it every day i think it's also important to remember when you when you're helping people to be supportive to somebody else you know i was wanted to help other people whether it was my girlfriend or my family or my friends you can only take on board so much and it must be quite hard in your guys jobs i don't necessarily you know i'm coordinating sports but speaking to people counseling people as much as you are but you're taking on quite a lot so looking after your own i don't know how you find looking after your own mental health as well as those around you is quite must be quite tough Self-care is the yeah. biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. If you don't look after yourself in, in any in any job that we do, you can't yeah. really then help other people. And I'm a and big think, fan of self-care. And I think it's also being aware aware of the fact that you will have your, your own personal weaknesses, your own personal um, things that you're sensitive to. And I think, I think in my, again, in my early years of being a mental health nurse, I kind of put myself in that pigeonhole of, now that I'm a mental health nurse, I need to be seen to be fine all the time. And it, and it took a long time to, to realise that actually being real about your own issues and things within yourself also makes you so much better at working with with other people in helping their their issues and I, and, I, and i'm not necessarily talking about self self-disclosure or kind of saying to people oh yeah i had that but it's that it's that being aware in your own head going yeah okay this is starting to live this for me or this is starting to be a bit of a bit of a tricky bit and um, i think and then knowing what to do with that and i think that's one of the it's it's one of the the things that I, that I've learned is being really aware of that and then knowing that that needs to go somewhere. As young people that are being supported, how what's your opinion about um, the appropriateness of people sharing their own personal experiences? Is it helpful? Is it not helpful? Does it depend on the circumstances or? 
I think it really depends on the situation because if you're sitting down person to person with someone, then something like that can really be helpful. But if it's just someone tweeting about it on like twi- on Twitter or on Facebook, it can almost appear demoralizing mm. and uh, they're trying to take over from what you're going through okay. and put the spotlight all on themselves. Whereas when you're alone with someone and it's just you two, you know that they're just trying to help you and not trying to impress their 200 other followers. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. So you would actually, it would make you feel that they were had a better understanding, do you think, if, if you were in a conversation with somebody? Yeah, I think I'd say so. Okay, brilliant. Jay? Yeah, I think it really depends. And I think in some ways it can be helpful, but like Aaron said, it's like you have to be really careful with what you say. Oh, I do that too, because sometimes it doesn't even it's really unlikely that people feel the exact same way or do the exact same things. Mm. So sometimes if you go, if you had an example and when someone said, oh, I do that, or I felt like that before, it's sometimes like, no, you haven't. Because sometimes, obviously, it feels really isolating your feelings sometimes. And although it's nice to know you're not alone, sometimes it's nice to people just go, yeah, actually, you're feeling this way and it's awful. Yeah. Not, oh, I've done that too. Or lots of people feel that way. It doesn't always help because sometimes that makes you think, well, everyone else feels this way, apparently, and they all seem to be getting on with it. Mm. Why can't I cope? So does that, it feels as if it's a bit dismissive if they're saying, well, that affects lots of people. Yeah, sometimes. You actually, you, you're not thinking about those lots of people, are you? You're thinking about yourself. And, that's... and so that brings us to an end of uh, part one of this three-part episode, uh, looking into men's mental health. The second part of this episode is going to be released in a week's time. So uh, hopefully you've um, enjoyed what you've listened to so far and you're interested to hear what else we have to say. Um, So until then, we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Cams Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford Cams team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.